Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show, the Cross Edition. I am your host, Joe Marcellina from nh-highschoolsports.com. Joining me again this spring is Chris Hetler, head coach of the Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Program. Coach, thanks again for stopping in. Great to be back again this week. Uh, once again, we are recording the show at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua every Wednesday at 7 p.m.-ish. You can be a part of the show by emailing questions to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at NHHSports, or you can come on down to Riverside and listen to us live, maybe heckle us a little bit, uh, you know, throw some fries at us, whatever. Uh, before we get started this week, I just wanted to remind everyone that Thursday, April 12th, today, is the last day that you can order your copy of the Boys and Girls Lacrosse Season Preview Magazine. Uh, go to nh-highschoolsports.com, click where it says Lacrosse Preview at the top, and order your copy. Remember, today is the last day to order this, and it will not be offered again. Uh, and don't forget to check out the season, uh, my behind-the-scenes documentary with Bishop Girton Boys Lacrosse Team. Uh, new episodes of that will be up on the site every Monday. Uh, you can check out the first episode now and uh, start making plans for next Monday afternoon to watch the second one. All right, now on to uh, what has already been kind of an interesting first two and a half days of the boys lacrosse we're into it we're into it it's it's the season starting to go and uh there was there's been some great games already uh across the across the landscape little little slow start in d3 there haven't been too many games yet but uh it's heating up in d1 and d2 we've already had some very interesting scores yeah if we can i'd like to actually start with a game that i was at monday night um bishop girton took on mercer island uh and people are saying what where the hell is mercer island uh, that's a good question because I did not know that <laughs> when I first read that. Defending uh, state champions out of Washington, Washington perennial yeah. power. It's actually a, a little legit island uh, right next to Seattle, um, and you know, out in Washington, it, it, they do not. Uh, the state doesn't sanction lacrosse like it does in kind of what lacrosse was in New Hampshire before the late ni- mid to late nineties. Um, so the equivalent of the NHIA in Washington doesn't recognize them as a sport. So they're kind of freelancers in a sense. They're able to do whatever they like. It's the Wild West. Yeah, you know, their, their coach, um, Ian O'Hearn, was telling me Monday that there's about 80 programs in the state, uh, but it's kind of like here where there's the top teams are really good and the bottom third is, is gr- up and coming. Did he talk to you at all about how how they're able to finance a trip like that out here? Uh, not exactly. I, he um, he was willing to talk, but I could sense that he wanted to kind of yeah. get with the team. Um, you know, after they, they ended up losing that game, sixteen to eight. But uh, he didn't he didn't get into their finances, but he did say uh, this is something that they've been doing for about fifteen years. Yeah. Um, you know that they played the last time they played in New Hampshire was in two thousand and eight. They played Pinkerton and Exeter and lost to both in very close games. Um, you know, and uh, I mean, usually they take a trip either to somewhere in New England, somewhere in upstate New York, somewhere in what he said, you know, downstate New York. Um, last year was the exception. They went to the Philadelphia area. Well, even now, Philadelphia is a hotbed, you know, so right. they're hitting upstate New York. They're hitting Long Island. They're hitting New England. You know, and Philly, Philly's got a, uh, a great, great lacrosse area now, too. So, you know challenging his kids and getting his program well, better he, he also said they're not the only program that does this that actually most of the top programs in washington wow make east coast trips during their spring break uh which i i, I mean here we are looking at it as like wow this is so weird but 
given the spring we had, I can't imagine teams wanting to come here. <laughs> but then again, if you're near well, Seattle, like maybe maybe this is considered you know well, warm no, and well, warm and sunny the, weather. The, the woman so. that was keeping the book for the for them actually commented on how how she was freezing. She was she had blankets on. <laughs> so I mean, I guess the weather in Seattle area it, it's gray and it's rainy, but it's usually warm. But warmer. It's yeah. warmer than it is yeah. here. So this this is this was cold for them. For them. Um, you know, they of course they. Uh, BG won that game 16 to eight, um, which, in high, you know, going into it, it was one of those. How are they going to play against a team that's already midway through its season? And, and BG having not scrimmaged that much no, in the preseason, no. so I, I know talking to Coach Cameron, he was he was a little up in the air about you know how are we going to come out? Are we going to be able? But but playing against a strong team like that, that you got to figure the kids were fired up to get out there and play. But I had the same fears that, you know, a, a great team like that who's already been battle-tested in the season were going to come out and, uh, you know, they might jump on them early. And it looked like, you know, from the box score that Luke Romanek was able to control the face-off circle, give BG plenty of opportunities. And then, of course, the Cameron boys did what they do and, and got, them, got them to a comfortable lead early. I think face-offs was probably the biggest question coming into not just the game but the season. Um, that would be probably the first question, and goal would probably be the second question. Although not as they knew it, they had a better idea of what uh, James Hetmiller was as capable of. Um, but Romanek was—I mean, he had more than held his own. Um, had a goal on a, a you know face-off where he just face scooped off, up the ball and, and went yep. right down the field. It was part of a four-goal stretch where they had uh, they scored that many in I think a minute 18. Wow! Um, it went from a 2-2 game to a 6-2 game and. And James was tested too, making 14 saves in the net. You know that's that's a pretty good save, pretty good save percentage. 14 saves on uh, on 22 shots. That that's not a bad that's not a bad day. Considering you know the top goalies in college now are saving at a 45% clip, he's up over 60. That's that's pretty good. That's going to get when you when you win over 60 to 70% of your faceoffs and your goalie's making 60 to 60 to 70% of the saves, you're going to win a lot of games. And and the first one of those that and that included giving up a goal on the first shot. On a one-on-one, -on -one where, where he really had, a game. I mean, he he had no. It would have been an incredible save if he had made it. Um, you know, so great performance by him. And you're right. Um, you know, early on in that game, BG was able to when they weren't able to get out in transition, they were working their offense, and Sean Cameron was just was finding open spots and able to score. And then in the second half, it was more. Um, you know, Mercer Island started just drawing out possessions uh so they were having to score quickly whenever they would get the ball and brian got a little more involved uh at least in terms of scoring goals so you know i, I think the the one area that they really really struggled was clearing the ball and i mean that's that'll come with being out on a real field against real competition i think and, and against you know they haven't seen you know they're used to they're used to scrimmaging themselves and you know, uh, when when your starters are practicing clearing against maybe your second and third line guys, it's a little bit different than when you get out there, especially against top-notch athletes that are, you know, championship caliber players. So, well, their second and third line guys though are, are, <laughs> are not too. I I think they could start on a I lot of other teams. I think there's 75% right. of You're the right. teams in the state would You're take right. their third line guys. You're right. Um, but, uh, but a great way for a great way for BG to start. Um, you know, kind of kick kickstarts their season. Uh, I believe yeah. they play. They they got Hanover tomorrow. Hanover Thursday night. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know who uh, had a little their bit little bit rough start to the season. Rough start for them. They they dropped their opener against uh, Champagne Valley yep. Champlain Valley Union. I don't know why that's always a tongue twister <laughs> for me, but it is. Um, and then tonight Wednesday night, um, 
you know, they came down came down to the southern New Hampshire for the first uh, first time in probably about 18 hours. Yeah, and, um, and it, it sounded like that one was over pretty quickly yeah. with with Pinkerton jumping on them. You know, I think they got it. I think it was 14 to one at some one point, and then it ends up 14 two. Um, it's gonna be a tough turnaround. They get they're tough tough task to come all the way back yep. down here again and take on take on BG at home. Yeah. Um, you know, and where Pinkerton uh, has an interesting start too. They play Exeter uh, Thursday afternoon too. Um, Exeter, of course, open had a great open to their season, um, getting out to a six-one lead on Bedford in the first half on Monday, and uh, kind of the guys we thought would be yeah, good for them right. this year: Fitzgerald, Penna, leading the way. You know, with five five of the nine goals, assisting on other ones. Uh, you know, we talked about Henry Henry Vote being a big factor this season, turning away 11, 11 shots in the game. Um, you know, again, 11, 11 of 15 shots on net, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, Fitzgerald with three goals and Penna had a two and an, and an assist. Um, you know, I, I that one though, I, I, I kinda, the final probably, I know it's only still five goals, you know, five goals at halftime, five goals finished, but six, six one at halftime kinda, you know, I, I saw that on Twitter while I was, you know, over at, at Stelos, uh, and that just kinda, you know, kind of opened my eyes a little bit. You know, talking to Coach Gerard afterwards, he was—I I think he was a little disappointed with the way his team came out, and I think he's going to challenge his guys to to have a little bit more fight as the season goes on. I think, I think he was looking for uh, looking for a little better effort from his guys, and I think maybe you know, they they had a fairly easy scrimmage over St. Thomas the other day, and maybe all of a sudden it kind of lulls you into a little bit of complacency and. You know, so it might be the best thing that could have happened to them early in the season. They're going to play Exeter again. Um, so now maybe that's a little bit of a wake-up call, and it gives Coach Gerard a little bit more teeth at practice when he challenges the guys say, hey, that's not good enough. You know, we need, we need to be better. So sometimes a loss early in the season to a really good team can be, can be a good thing for, for your team. Yeah, at least on paper, looks like they bounced back well Wednesday night against, uh, against Scarborough, Maine. Always nice. Always nice to, to get New Hampshire a nice out of out of uh, out of state win and show show the show the other teams that uh, New Hampshire has some good lacrosse. So yeah, they looks like the offense got back on track there. Yeah, to turn around and going from from scoring four in your opener to 16 uh, 16-7 win over Scarborough Wednesday night. Uh, you know, and he's nice got turnaround. he's got some guys you know still learning different positions. He's got Kyle Fink down on attack. He's got some guys that have been traditional middies that are having to play some different roles. So. That offense is going to probably evolve over the season and uh, and build some chemistry as we go along. You know, one guy that I, I um, had a chance to talk to in the preseason after that that St. Thomas scrimmage um, really stood out to me at that night. And just as a as a you know as a side note, just talking to him was um, Eric Flynn. Um, just seemed like a really great kid, um, hard worker. Love absolutely love Eric Flynn. I, I had a chance to coach him when he was younger uh, in the club in the club circuit. And his stick skills have always been phenomenal. Um, it's just taken some time for him to fill out and to grow. And, you know, he, he's going to be a, a, a steal in college, uh, you know, sort of a late bloomer. Um, I, I think he's going to have a phenomenal college career. The thing that might have impressed me the most, though, and this is the first time this has ever happened to me, was I, you know, I introduced myself to him, said hi. He's like, oh, yeah, you're a, you're a pit guy, right? And I, and I kind of looked at him. I said, how do you know that? And I completely forgetting that if you go to nhhighschoolsports.com and under the about me, I made a video, talk you know, kind of introducing myself. And he had gone and watched the video, and I like I just was kind of surprised by that because <laughs> I think he may be the only person that's uh, that's watched that video. Oh come on, you're being modest. There's a lot of people that right, have watched three your people videos. Have watched come on, that video. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, you know what else? What else around um, Division One? Um, well, you know, when we did the preview, we kind of talked about Salem and fighting for kind of one of those top eight spots, maybe even a top six spot. And um, so, so they start the season losing nine uh, seven to Londonderry. You know, another team that were kind of like on the bubble of top eight, but then they turn around and they beat Nashua North twelve eight. Um, so, you know, brand new coach, and yet. They, they've got the offense going. They've got some talent there. So um, I, I found that score to be to be pretty interesting. Those two scores pretty interesting there. And then uh, they, they turn one. around and they've got, uh, you know, they could get uh, two-thirds way to the Nashua Championship, but South on Saturday. <laughs> uh, they play them at home at 10. I mean, that's, you know, and South was your South was your kind of dark horse yeah, pick yeah. there. So that, that, that game has huge seeding implications. One of the few teams that actually hasn't played a game yet, uh, South Open's, at Londonderry on Thursday, uh, in a game that kind of, you know, dictated the early part of their season last year. I, they were with Londonderry through three quarters, and then it just kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter of that game last year. Um, you know, I know they're expecting better results this year. Um, you know, look you at, know. at at. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, just you know, impressed. You know, looking at the box score here, Jay Collins, you know, coming in with four goals. And uh, Anthony Federico, two guy, two guys that are that are filling the net for for Londonderry. We wondered, you know, who was going to kind of step up for them this year, and you know, that's that's an impressive opening game against against Salem for both those guys. You know, and Londonderry kind of has the opportunity for for a pretty good start here. We mentioned that, you know, they open with South. They have a couple days off. They play at Pinkerton, um, but then follow that up with games against Concord and Wyndham. You know, so th I mean, that's three out of their first, or excuse me. Um, four out of their first five, you know, they could end up five or four and one. Um, you know, something weird happens, maybe even five. And that and Wyndham game was big for them last year too. Wyndham comes in there at uh, at home against. Them. I'm assuming that game will be at Wyndham this year if they flip flop yep. it. Yep. Um, you know, and Wyndham kind of shocks the world. They go in there and they pull off a major upset, and it kind of set Londonderry back a little bit and kind of springboarded Wyndham early in the season there. You know, go going back to that. Um, North Salem game. You mentioned it was a 12-8 game. North score North kind of what we expected from them. They score eight goals. Todd Redmond has six of them. Um, you know, so kind of a. They were able to we score expected. last year. They have they have scoring punch, but it's again it's that it's the the defensive struggles there. You know, whether it's whether it's a net or at the close defense, they they if they can get their defense on track, you know, they, then they can they'll win some of those games. But that the scoring was not an issue for them last year. They put up a big number against Dover when they mm -hmm. played Dover. Um, and, and nearly knocked off Dover's undefeated season. I wonder how much, though, they're going to need someone else to kind of mm. step up and maybe put in more than one or two a game. Um, that you know that could end up being an issue. Um, you know, any uh, any games coming up that you kind of look at um, as you know potentially big ones. I mean, I know actually looking ahead to next week, Monday, one I've got on my calendar is um, Bedford at South uh, Monday night. Um, you know, kind of curious as to what happens in that one. Of course, South will have played two games between now and then. Um, we'll have something to look at, you know, and, and, and Bedford, of course, as we said, coming off the win today, um, you know, they play Central between then. So it's a little ways off, but I, I'm looking at uh, Bishop Girton at Needham on the 17th. That one's going to be a, that one's going to be a big one. I'm, I'm excited for that. Needham is one of the top teams in, in Massachusetts right now. Uh, I believe I saw earlier say they might even be they might even be ranked number one in some of the polls right now. So, 
that 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 game's gonna if BG could go in to need them and knock them off, that would be pretty exciting. That'd be pretty that'd be great for New Hampshire. Yeah, they did it two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, actually went down there and they got out to uh, a good size lead and then had to hang on at the end of that one. Um, but of course, that was a much different team than what they've got this year. Yeah. And you mentioned Exeter and Pinkerton already coming up on the 12th. That one, that one's going to be you know huge seating implications there, and also kind of give you give us an idea of okay, where is Exeter at? How how you know they they knock off Bedford? Are they are they really are they for real right now? You know, can they can they knock off Pinkerton as well? Uh, you know, looking at um, let's say D2 now. Uh, of course, you guys opened Dairyfield opened with a what 14-3 win. We had a nice 14-3 win over over Bo. Uh, you know, typical uh, to games that we've had in the past where we got a lot of guys involved in the scoring scoring column, played really good defense, uh, controlled the faceoff circle. We you know, coming into it, we said the two goals, we want to control ground balls, we want to play great defense and control that middle of the field and I thought I was really proud of my guys. You know, I give him I give him a huge compliment. I said in my 16 years, I thought that was one of the best games that we rode and cleared in, and that was our first game of the season. So, um, yeah, really really happy with the way we started the season. You know, and and looking at what you got, Connor Glossner with five goals, Robbie Douse with three. But I think maybe the number that stands out to me here, um, this is right, that John Anderson was 12 of 13 on faceoffs. 12 of 13 on faceoffs. Um, you know, I think we, we've put an emphasis on, you know, I just I look around our league and see that there's some really good faceoff guys. And, um, you know, we've had some faceoff specialists come in and help us and kind of teach these guys some things. And then, you know, we, we make a point every day at practice to do to do some faceoff work because I just see the way the game is right now that it's, it's really important. So that was a great confidence booster for John. You know, John following Lee Sipes' footsteps from last year, taking over in the face-off circle, for him to have that kind of an opening game uh, was great. But he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you that our wings really showed up. We had some great wing play. It wasn't John winning everything clean. He, he was creating opportunities for us, and then our wings came in and cleaned it up and, and did a great job. I was going to say, to, to I don't remember him taking too many of those last year, at least – when I he saw was you our guys, secondary guy, but Lee Lee would take over seventy percent of our faceoffs. Yeah. And to be, um, to be replacing a, a kid yeah. who's, you know, an, an all American. Um, that's, that's and a lot of that all American came from his ability to face off. Yeah. So, you know, looking at um, the rest of Division Two, I know one of the games that kind of stood out Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon, um, that bow team that you guys played went to Merrimack Valley and, and came out with a twelve eight win. I and was I, really really impressed with that score. Um, you know, for them, again, walking away from uh, from uh, our game on, on Monday, you know, I saw a very disciplined bow team, played very good defense, you know, uh, losing, a, losing a goaltender, Chris Chamberlain, and, and having to fill that. They have an outstanding goaltender now, big lefty, moved well, made some great saves. Um, and, and their offense was, was better than, than what I would have expected. They moved, they moved um, Harkins back from LSM. Um, they've, they've got some guys that, that, can, that can go, and I think they're going to catch a lot of teams this year. Uh, you know, I think the other, other score that both opened both of our eyes um, just kind of, whoa, that's a bit surprising, was that one on Tuesday between uh, John Stark and Keene. You know, Keene pulls scoring. out a 13-10 to 10 win. Um, you know, I, I expected Keen to be able to right, score some goals right. this year. Um, you know, I think, I think maybe, I think maybe both of us maybe underestimated John Stark a little bit with I their ability so. to score this year. Um, you know, that that's impressive to to put up that kind of score at Keen. Um, you know, against against a team that 
we thought was going to be pretty good this year in Keene, and and I still think they are. I think maybe maybe John Stark has has some players that um, you know we underestimated a little bit. Yeah, and then and then John Stark bounces back today and gets a thirteen nothing win over Memorial. You know, just to, to you know another big scoring game for them. Um, you know, and that kind of gets some memento going into what's going to be a big game for them. Uh, you know, on Friday, assuming that they get to, to play, I don't know what the shape of their their field is, but they've got Portsmouth at home on Friday, uh, so that's you know, of course, Portsmouth. That'll be um, that'll be a good test. Um, you know, you look at that Portsmouth score, fourteen six over Kearsarge, and you're like, eh, you know, maybe they gave up six goals. It wasn't that close. Yeah, they were they were up twelve like nothing, thirteen yeah, twelve twelve thirteen nothing going into the fourth quarter, and, and uh, you know, Coach Fisher emptied the bench and. Um, you know, he has some concerns. He's like, well, you saw how thin we are. And so he gave up six goals in the fourth quarter. Everybody's thin. Nobody has. I mean, unless you're Bishop Girton and Pinkerton, nobody has three lines of guys. Of course, when you when you empty your bench, you're going to give up some goals. So, you know, um, and, and that's I think that's one thing I really uh, respect and admire about Coach Fisher is he really he makes a point when his team is up, he gets a lot of his guys in the game and gives them incentives to keep working at practice and, um, you know, rewards his players for, for working hard every day. So you can't really look at what Portsmouth is giving up defensively in those games because most of the time they're up big and then they, and then they play their guys. So good start, good start for them as well. You know, and I, then I think the other game that, um, you know, had some eyes on it going into the week, uh, Dover and Oyster River. Of course, um, you know, Dover comes out with a 19-6 to win in that one. Um, you know, don't know too much about that one other than, you know, some of the scoring. Uh, Dom Silverio comes out with five goals and three assists, you know, reigning offensive, uh, play, you know, co-offensive player of the year. Um, you know, bullseye on his back. His line mate, Justin Clizzy, adds three and three. Uh, Cam Lent, the, the big face-off guy for them, not only, not only a, a superior face-off guy, but adds three goals and two assists. Um, you know, we kind of knew those guys were going to be big players for them. Um, you know, and then it looks like they're, they're, they have a, a goalie. They've got two goalies that are playing for them as well. Um, they're going to be a potent offense. They were last year, and they return all the guys that they had on offense last year. So that, that's, they're going to be they're going to be a good team. You know, the one thing that I'm I'm reading about is reported by um, uh, you know the Portsmouth Herald was that uh, I, how do you say his name? Sean uh, Sean Galippo. Galippo. Yeah, I read coming the same out of that thing. game. Um, you, you hope it's not. You hope it's not serious because I know how hard he has worked worked to get back. And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, it, it, it's been reported that he was seen, uh, you know, being helped off the field late in the first half. And so you hope you hope he didn't re-injure that knee that he worked so hard to get back from. Yeah, um, missed so. last year with an ACL injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All of last year. Um, it doesn't say if it was the same knee or oh no it does it was the same knee yeah his right it's, knee so hopefully it's, it's hard I I mean I I've been there I've had I've had a couple kids with the same situation where I've watched them and and work so hard to get back and then to see them tweak it uh it, it is heartbreaking you know a couple of the kids in the article said you know it was painful to watch him come off the field and so you hope hope that it's hope that it's not and uh, I've had that situation I've also had the opposite where a kid tweaked his knee and we're all holding our breath and thinking the worst, and then um, and then it wasn't. So hopefully, with with Sean's case, it isn't. God, I remember uh, doing a story years ago on a, a girl that played soccer and basketball at Sauhegan, um, who I think blew out the same knee or blew out one knee during one season, came back a year later for the other season, blew out the other knee, and coming back from that, and then blew out the first knee again. Like it just unfortunate. 
series of events. I hopefully that's not the case here. Um, you know, they're they're playing at Golfstown next Friday. It's a game I'm I was um, planning on being at. Hopefully he's back out for that game. I get to watch him play. I'd really really enjoy seeing that. I, I would I would hope, but I, I have a feeling they'll <laughs> they'll keep him out for a little while, even <laughs> if it's not serious. So, um, you know, best of luck best of luck to Sean. We hope he we hope he's okay. Anything else, uh, you know, from around Division Two that kind of caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, today, uh, you know, Winnicunit traveling to uh, to Timberlane and taking on Timberlane and, and coming out with an eight seven win. I'm sorry, actually, I think that was at Winnicunit today. Um, but uh, you know, I, yep, I talked at, to Coach at Winnicunit. Yep. And uh, I talked to Coach Blaska after the game, and just um, you know, kind of heartbroken for his kids. Said they had opportunities. He was really excited about the game. Um, you know, it seemed like they had some opportunities late, maybe some doorstop saves by by Winnicunit. And um, but that you know, if Timberlane walks away with, it, they should feel good. It's it's not easy to go to Winnicunit. It's a tough place to play. It's a long trip. Um, and Coach Blaska lost a lot on offense. I know he told me he was really excited about his defense, felt like, you know, over the years he's slowly been building his defense. Feels like, you know, with his senior goaltender and the D guys around him, this is going to be his best defense yet. It's kind of ironic. We talked on the phone yesterday, and he goes, I think eight goals wins this game. <laughs> and, of course, 8-7 <laughs> is the final. And uh, so, you know, I hate to <laughs> – you hate to be right, but it'll be on the wrong end of being right. So, um you know, but you know, good start for both teams. Those were two teams that were kind of uh, battling last year for that middle right. of the pack, like yep. eight, nine, seven, ten kind of playoff yeah. seating. Um, so, you know, good good start for both teams actually. You know, um, Timberlane, have, you know, they've got a, a manageable schedule early in the year, at least based on you know results from a year ago. Um, Spalding and Oyster River. He's feeling like next. he's going to come yeah. out with a, with a few wins coming out yeah. of April. So yeah. I think he'd be disappointed if he if you know if he had more than one or two losses coming out of April. Right. They. I mean, looking at this, if everything goes well, they could be could be five and one going into a May first game at Portsmouth. Um, yeah. So yeah, really. Uh, and then Winnicott too. I mean, they've got a couple of games that they should be able to win coming up. But then. And then they've got to go to Keene um, next Friday. That, I think that's going to be that's going to be a huge game. Um, you know, if if Winnicunit is able to go out to Keene and beat Keene at Keene, that could that could have huge seating implications. Uh, just the way looking at both their schedules, neither team I don't think Keene or Winnicunit play more than fourteen games, so that one game could could mean the difference between having to play, you know, the one seed in the quarterfinals versus you know maybe having an easier, a little bit easier road. And Keene has a big game coming up. Uh, Friday, uh, you know, at Hollis Brookline. Uh, if the game gets played. If it gets played. I have no idea what condition uh, the field is in at Hollis. Uh, of course, being at the bottom of a hill doesn't help. Um, but they won't have to worry about that much longer. Rumor has it that the, that the budget <laughs> passed and they yeah. will be getting a turf field. So Hollis hopefully, hopefully soon will yeah. have a, uh, yeah. have a from, turf field. From what I understand, they, they, when, they, when they first showed the plans to me like 10 years ago, uh, I was like, oh, that looks like a good spot for a field, you know, back in the back corner there. Um, looks like a nice spot to put kind of like a stadium type field if they can pull that off. Heck, uh, put the put the turf field where where the uh, where the field is now. You could sort of terrace it and build some stands into the side of the hill there. You know, just get a turf field. You got it. And if you're playing in New Hampshire, if you're playing in New England now, you gotta you gotta have a turf field. Uh, let's move on. I know we said there weren't too many games on the slate, but uh, you know what? What about Division Three? What kind of uh, uh, to your me? Eye there? To me, what stood out to there was was uh, the Hopkinton Guilford game. Um, you know, obviously Hopkinton, the uh, the reigning reigning champs, um, coming out with a 12-7 victory over Guilford. 
um, you know, we kind of wondered how would their offense kind of respond after losing so many great players from that team last year. Um, you know, putting up 12, putting up 12 goals is, is a pretty good first outing. Um, you know, you might be a little bit concerned that you gave up seven, but, you know, we didn't know exactly what Guilford had coming in this season. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how Guilford progresses. Was that a fluke? Was it, you know, have either team been out much? You know, you just don't, you don't know if you, you don't know what the, the booster club has as far as money and being able to get turf time and, and full field. So that, that could have been other than maybe a few scrimmages, their first real full field game. You know, one one that kind of catches my eye in terms of at least the final score was, um, you know, Interlakes Moultonboro. We talked about them last week. You know, returning uh, pretty much their entire starting lineup from last year, second year varsity program. Um, you know, putting up 17 goals in a 17-5 win over Stevens. You know, a, a, a program that's been struggling for a couple of years, but just that number. Um, Got an email from uh, Coach Driscoll the other day, fired up about his team and just, you know, the progress they've made over the four seasons since they've gone, since they've built that program and just really excited about his kids and, and the potential that they have. So, I mean, 17 goals is impressive. I mean, I know Stevens hasn't had a lot of success in the past, but, I mean, anytime you can put up 17 goals, that's that shows that you've got kids that are invested and uh, playing hard for you. So uh, congrats to Coach Driscoll up there and um, – you know, they have a big game coming up. Yeah, if I'm not. long, uh, good road trip tomorrow or Thursday uh, coming down to pe play Pelham and uh, what's Pelham's opener. Again, assuming field conditions are okay. Um, hoping that I might be able to make it out there for at least some of that game because i really curious to see. I mean, that, that's a good test for, Absolutely. for uh, you know, a, a young program and kind of um, – and to see where Pelham is. Like we said last week, they, you know, they hired a coach late in the preseason – um, but a lot of coaches picking them to make some noise yeah, this year and possibly yeah, make a run at the title. Got a lot of talent back. It's kind of, I guess, how fast can it come together? Yep. And then, you know, the only other one that really stood out was, uh, you know, we, we thought that Laconia had a lot of guys coming back this year, has a strong defense. You know, they beat, they beat Coe Brown 12-3. to um, To me, I'm guessing that one, that's, that's Coe Brown probably playing his own. Um, maybe I, maybe keeping things. I think it was five three at halftime of that yeah, game. That, yeah, that that tells me that Cobra was probably probably playing a little bit of his own there and slowing things down and maybe making the most out of their possessions and then taking a little bit of time for Laconia to get things going. And early season, you know, zones can be tough because you just haven't had a lot of practice against it. And you know, in high school, all of a sudden, you know, you get limited number of possessions on offense, and um, before you know it, the game's a little bit closer than than you think it probably should be few minutes left uh any final thoughts or or uh, observations of uh the first couple days here? I actually you know we we talked that maybe you know lacrosse wasn't going to be wasn't going to be as pretty as we we thought it might be over the first couple weeks given given the slow starts of the spring and stuff um I was actually you know from my experience with my guys and in our first game I was pretty happy with with both teams with Bo and Derryfield the way the game was played they had good flow to it um you know you were at the BG Mercer Island game um you know, but then on the flip side, you know, I talked to the I talked to the coaches from Exeter and Bedford, and they were like, "Yeah, it was sloppy." And <laughs> so we're getting a mixed bag right now. But over the next couple of weeks, the weather seems to be getting better. My guys were in good spirits today. We finally had the sun out. We didn't have to wear five layers of clothing. Um, you know, so it's coming. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for all of a sudden when the guys are complaining about it being too hot <laughs> out. You know, so. you know that'll be here sooner, sooner Absolutely. than later. I hope. Absolutely. Uh, so he is uh, Chris Hetler, Dairyfield head uh, boys lacrosse coach. Uh, Chris, thanks again for uh, joining me, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Can't Bye. wait.
Uh, I am Joe Marcellina. You've been listening to the Ninth State Sports Show. Uh, you can check this out at nh-highschoolsports.com. Also, all of the rest of my lacrosse coverage will be up there. Um, as I said, tomorrow, hoping to make it out to that Interlakes Moultonboro at Pelham game. And on Friday, if that if it gets played, that Keen at Hollis Brookline. Uh, I'll have a bunch of other games covered you know, over the next week. Uh, so please check them out. Uh, and thanks again for listening.